You're listening to the best of Living Wealthy Radio with Teresa Kuhn. Be sure to catch our show live every Sunday on 1370 AM Austin. For information, archives, and upcoming presentations, visit our website at www.livingwealthyradio.com. What if there was a place where your hard-earned cash could grow safely and sanely without being pilfered by bankers, Wall Street, tax collectors, or other persons of dubious character? A place where you could say no to the motion sickness-inducing ups and downs of the stock market. Where you didn't have to grovel on your hands and knees every time you wanted to borrow money from some tight-fisted banker who collects all your private data and then turns you down. Such a world sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? Well, it isn't. All you need to do is call toll-free right now and ask for your Living Wealthy Financial Information Packet. It costs nothing and it will tell you exactly what you need to do to chart a more prosperous financial course and take back what belongs to you. So, do it. Call right now. 1-800-382-0830 That's 1-800-382-0830 Or, visit our website at www.livingwealthyfinancial.com You'll be glad you did. Good afternoon. You're listening to Living Wealthy Radio, heard every Sunday at noon here on Talk Radio 1370 AM, streaming live at talk1370.com. I am Teresa Kuhn, helping you live wealthier. Resources are available for you at livingwealthyradio.com. Are you tired of genetically altered, chemically grown fruits and vegetables? Do you and your family want to start eating healthier, but just don't know where to start? There is so much misinformation about proper diet, health practices, different fad diets, food myths. They all come and go. And you're wondering what you can do for your health, for your family's health. You know, are GMOs really that bad for you? Does it matter where you buy your meat? What's the deal with raw milk? These are the kind of questions we are going to discuss on today's show. Tom Earnshaw, an organic and sustainable farmer, educator, and founder of Cambridge Farms in Northwest Florida, is an advocate of what he calls outlaw farming and offers you a place to learn healthy farming practices through his classes and farm tours and gardening partnerships. Um, He has a farmer's market co-op that brings organic farming veterans and newbies together to trade and barter with one another and learn from each other. Tom, what a fantastic idea. When did you start this? We started about four years ago with the teaching process when we had bought our farm and our thought was to use the farm as a retirement and a retirement income and grow grow produce and sell it at local farmers' markets. As we started to do that, um, they started to try to pass a law uh, that would prohibit small farms from selling directly to the public. And as I started to understand more about that law, which is the Food Safety Modernization Act, and it passed in 2011, the more I saw 
that um, GMOs and mega farming was looking like it was going to be the wave of the future. As I started to look into all the different techniques that they were using on farming, I, I discovered that they were using all the same techniques that they started out in the 90s to do, and they've expanded it to the point where they have a huge section of the um, of the um, the sales in grocery stores with genetically modified food rather than natural food and real food. I started natural farming in the 70s and have been doing it ever since and had uh, family gardens and um, a couple of small farms ever since. And through working through that, um, I saw a need to bring it to other people and to, to make that available to other people so they could eat clean food that you can't get and safe food that you can't get in a grocery store. Tom, I love all these different acts and laws that they pass and, and the titles of those laws, right? The Food Safety Modernization Act. Um, you know, it's always such a such a funny thing because really what the law has done is not made food safer and what was wrong with the old ways of farming? It's actually, it was the natural way. It was the organic way. It was the healthier way, right? As well as the sustainable way that you didn't have to include a chemical company um, in your profit margin. What happens now, the way food's grown now, um, there's not a farmer that can exist without having a um, giving up part of his profit to a chemical company that produces a patented seed or a patented chemical. Uh, but that's because, part of the plan, right? That's what the, oh, what the corporation Oh, without question, that is absolutely part of the plan. The plan is to make it so that small farms can't survive, and the only farms that can survive are going to be the farms that uh, are willing to deal with the devil. So why is sustainable farming important if small farms aren't as efficient as they say, right, and aren't as safe. Well, um, for, mm -hmm. that, that's never been proven. Um, there's People say that all the time, and the, and the industry says it all the time, that GMOs outperform um, traditional crops, but there's there's at least five studies that I know of that prove exactly the opposite, and there's one from the University of Washington that proves uh, on a, on ten acres they they did two test farms. They did one which is farmed with GMOs and and um, the related chemicals, pesticides, and herbicides, and then they did one on a natural. Um, plan with a five-year rotation, and not only did they produce more on the natural plan, but they produced more profit per square acre um, with less expense on the on the natural plan. And why less expense? Because they weren't paying the corporations for the chemicals and the fertilizers. Exactly. What happens is um, with seed, most farmers up until the um well, probably into the eighties is when a lot of farms started switching over to um um third and fourth stage hybrids, which means extremely hybrid seeds. Um uh, prior to that, 
you could save your seeds from year to year and regrow them and wouldn't have to buy new seeds every year. And the more that you that you saved your seeds and regrew them, the more acclimated to your environment or your specific growing zone they become and the more naturally resistant they become to the um, things that they encounter. They work much like the immune system in the body. The more expo- you expose it to, the more... Um, able it is to fight it off. So these seeds, if you save your seeds every year and regrow them, they become more resistant to the things that they encounter in in where they're being grown. Now the way it works is you have to buy seed every year from the um, chemical companies and from the seed companies, whoever it is that holds the patent on these seeds. And they are patented, so you can't save them and regrow them. If you do, they will sue you into bankruptcy and take your property, which they have to over 127 farms in the United States. And so that makes it extremely unsustainable because you ha- you depend on them for your livelihood. You can't grow your crops without doing what they want you to do and growing them the way they want you to grow. And to understand why the chemical companies are in this business, it's not to sell seeds, it's to sell chemicals. They're chemical companies. They produce the seed that has that you have to use their chemicals to grow. So by patenting these seeds, they're forcing you to use their chemicals as well. And the chemicals that you use are just unhealthy and they're not good for you. And it makes it more difficult and more expensive to grow. For instance, with um, corn, that's one that everybody knows about. With corn, in the year 2000, corn cost about, sold for about a dollar eighty a bushel. Today, because of 98% or between 93 and 98% of corn being owned or, or produced by mega farms, the cost of corn has gone from in the year 2000, $1.80 a bushel to uh, 2012, $6.60 per bushel. That's over a 250% increase, um, much more than every other food or every other um, commodity that's being sold. And the reason is, is because the cost of seed has gone so high. If I was to grow sweet corn to um, sell to, to you know my local customers, and they just wanted a corn that they could eat and that they could barbecue on the grill or um, just make corn in the cob out of, I could buy the seed in a natural um, form, uh, a, a non-hybrid, for about two dollars and thirty cents a pound for the seed. If I wanted to go to a hybrid seed that makes all kinds of claims that it's going to produce more and do better, but still is a natural hybrid, I'd spend about $14 a pound for seed. But if I was to grow um, a genetically modified corn, I'd spend about $68 a pound. Oh, my gosh. So that's the difference in price that it costs to grow these patented seeds. And then you have the supporting chemicals that you need to use um, to go with that. So if you're spending $68 a pound every year for corn, then, I mean, most of your profit that you make, a a farm that, say, a farm that makes $500,000 a year, um, it generates $500,000 a year of income from corn. It would cost them about a million dollars 
um, to produce $500,000. And then when you take the rest of the expense out of it, that farmer's um, taxable income is only going to be around somewhere between thirty-five dollars and $45,000. So he has to take out a million dollars in loans to produce that 550000 and out of that 550000 all the rest is expenses on tractors, taxes, uh, property tax, um, supporting chemicals, that type of thing. Very, very small profit margin. And oh, the profit margin is minimal, but the profit minimal. margin for the companies that produce the seed and the chemicals has been steadily rising. It's huge. And the farmer's taking the risk on the weather, and all the other risks that he can't control? Well, yes and no. It's a calculated risk. What happens is when you're a mega farmer or a large farmer like that, you're, you're able to take, um, take subsidies and subsidize insurance policies on your crops, and you're able to, to um, recoup money that you lose due to weather and that and those uncontrolled circumstances. Now, um, the the federal government covers that under the um, Farm Farm Act law, and um, they've spent oh, about a about a hundred billion dollars in the past five years um, supporting mega farms. And if you break down that hundred billion dollars, the the um, largest amount, eighty percent of that hundred um, hundred billion dollars went to the top fifteen percent of producers in the country, which are these mega farms, and um, the rest of it was divvied up going down the line into smaller um, commodity farms, and then when you get all the way down to the bottom, then you look at your um, vegetable farmers who actually produce food and not a commodity, and uh, that's that's why um, these big farms can stay in business even though there's a large risk for it. So. Since they've got, um, since big business has the the chemicals and they've got the seeds and they've got the big farms, why do they feel the need to go after the small farmers? Why not just let, you know, people buy their produce where they want to buy their produce? If they've got the superior product, why hassle with farmers like you and why hassle with people like me who like to buy our food from the local farms? Because more and more of the the general public are waking up and realizing that their food is poison. You think so? Um, oh, without question. If you look at the the market share of um, vegetable produce and food sales, farmers' markets have steadily increased over the past fifteen to twenty years. They were at the point two years ago. I think it, they were taking about eight, between eighteen and twenty percent of the market seasonally. And what happened was these companies are looking at that as a huge profit loss for them. If farmers' markets and um, organic foods taken 18 to 20, which it may even be higher this year than last year. I'm, I'm looking at statistics that are a couple of years old. And um, as they saw that steadily grow, they started to lose um market shares. So that's profit to them. They're losing profit. So they had to find a way to stop this from happening. 
and their way to stop it from happening was to to work against small farms and to work against farmers' markets. The we had mentioned in the first part, um, the Food Safety Modernization Act, which has nothing to do with food safety. It actually is taking regulation off of off of um, processing plants and putting more regulation on small farms. So what's happening is they're trying to prevent small farms from producing local food because it's cutting too deeply into the into their market. If you if you watch TV very much at all, you'll see some of the prime advertising on the on news shows and primetime televisions being done by um, Walmart, and they keep showing their produce section and comparing their produce to farmers' market produce. And um, there was a Wendy's advertisement that they were using farmers' markets as a backdrop for advertising their um, natural tea. Um, these people that run these major, you know, corporations see that um, the American public's waking up, so they're incorporating that into their advertising. Walmart's losing so much business that they are now attacking the farmers' markets throughout the country, right. and um, they're actively seeking ways to prevent people from buying fresh local produce. And they even claim that they sell local produce, um, which is, you know. Not really that true. Uh, about 89% of their produce comes from outside of America at any given season. So, GMO, is mm-hmm. it really that bad for you? I believe it is, but, you know. Well, this is the thing. Um, you and I will never know. What we have to look at is facts. And the only thing you can look at in facts with the GMO is in the United States there are no facts because there was never, ever a study done to show if GMOs are safe or not. No no food safety study has ever been done. And a lot of people say, well, the FDA approved them. No, the FDA approved the growing process of them. They never approved them. And the FDA does not approve any food. There's no food that's ever been approved by um, the FDA. Only the ingredients that go into the food are approved by the FDA on a chemical basis. Um, a tomato is not approved by the FDA. A cucumber is not approved by the FDA. Um, um, broccoli is not approved. Blueberries are not approved. Apples are not approved by the FDA. Um, the process of growing them is approved by the FDA. Now, what the FDA said when they allowed um, GMOs to be sold in the open market as food in 1995 and 1996 was that GMOs are essentially the same as natural food and that they're a GMO era corn is exactly the same as a non-GMO era corn. That's what they claim. And so no testing was ever done, no review was ever done, no peer studies were ever done, no safety studies were ever done. The only studies that were ever done were were the growing process of um, genetically modified crops and the chemicals used in that growing process. So nothing about a GMO has ever been approved in the United States. Now, if you look at other countries, which there's over 60 of them that have either regulated Mm -hmm. 
labeled or outright banned mm-hmm. genetically modified crops from being grown in their country. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason they have is because outside of the United States, they can do independent studies where in the United States it's illegal to do an independent study on a genetically modified fruit or vegetable. And why is because, that? Because they're patented, and you cannot do any testing on them unless you have the permission of the patent holder. And you cannot publish any testing done on them unless you have the permission of the patent holder. And the FDA is not doing any testing, so there's no testing has ever been done um, in the United States. You know, that's a really important distinction, and I was not aware of that. So if, if a company owns a patent on a process or a product, I independently can't do research and publish research on that product because not unless I get permission. permission. Is that true of pharmaceuticals? I don't know if you'd know that, but is that, that true of any, anything? I, I believe it's true on any patent. Really? Intellectual property, yes. And that is fascinating. I did not know that. And there are many countries who have banned GMO. Um, they don't want GMO um, seeds. They don't want their farmers using GMO seeds in their crops, and um, it, it's well, illegal. Well, it's not, it's not that they don't want farmers using GMO seeds, but that they don't want those companies in their country. There's two, it's, a two, it's, a, it's a two-fold problem. The first part of the problem is almost every single company, uh, country that has regulated or restricted um, genetically modified crops have a state paid for um, health care system. Um, like England, um, all your health care you go through, the government pays for it. Well, the people in, that run these health care systems constantly do risk analysis um, and check data. And what happens is um, they look at the risk analysis of eating genetically modified food, and they saw that it was costing them a lot of money for um, the ongoing chronic health problems that they were paying for that they could directly um, attribute to genetically modified food. So they weren't a bunch of people that just wanted to eat organic food and, you know, and what people call earthy, crunchy tree huggers. They were number crunchers. They were accountants who looked at it said, this is costing us a ton of money, and we need to stop the hemorrhaging. That's so interesting because it's one group of, um, you know, one one huge competing interest, right, money-making competing interest versus another, right? And that's that's fascinating that they're the ones that are saying this is costing the, the – the, med- the, the medicine, the socialized medicine part, the healthcare part, um, they were seeing the cost of having the GMO foods in their food supply. You know, um, we've got to go to a break. You have questions about healthy and sustainable living and how to make the best food choices in our world of chemicals and fast food. Right after the break, we are going to discuss the answers to these and some other really important questions and concerns. This is Teresa Kuhn with Living Wealthy Radio. We will be right back. Welcome back, Austin, to Living Wealthy Radio with Teresa Kuhn.
If you're just now joining us, we are speaking with outlaw farmer Tom Earnshaw about food independence and sustainable gardening. He's been in the business of raising livestock and growing produce without all the chemicals and artificial mechanisms so common in today's world of mass-produced food. So, Tom, we were talking about how other countries outside of the United States have banned GMO or limited GMO um, food from their food supply. And we were talking specifically about England and how um, the number crunchers in the healthcare system, and we know they've got socialized medicine, realized the, the cost to people's health um, with the GMO food and basically said, no more. And, and that's the the first part of it. And the, the second part is sustainability. And when you see all of these little countries, small countries, Costa Rica and some other countries in South America that have banned them and some other countries and, um, and, and throughout Europe and Africa that have banned them, the reason that they have is because their entire agri-economy, the, the economy of their agriculture, was being taken over by three corporate interests. And when when a corporation controls all the food in a country, it's not good for the country at all. Um, so what happened is these countries started realizing that this is the most unsustainable um, process of farming that you can have when you completely are dependent on a corporation to provide you seeds and chemicals year after year to be able to feed your people. Um, most of these farmers that they that they um, were were gearing their system towards were farmers that were sustainable farmers. Um, in India, for example, farmers that have been using the same seed for a thousand years and saving their seed from year to year to year, and a corporation comes in and um, gives them a really good sales pitch that is not even close to reality, gets them to switch to their patented seed that they have to pay for every year, and thousands and thousands of farms out of business because the crops didn't perform nearly as well as the corporations claimed they would. And these poor farmers were tied into deals and left owing money to these corporations mm. uh, because they couldn't produce enough crop to make a pro- enough profit to pay the corporations for the seed and chemicals that they were using. So, so it bankrupt them. So why, as Americans, why are we so... Dumb. Why have we just rolled over to these big corporations and allowed them to take advantage of us? Because nobody's paying attention. And where there's money, there's the ability for corruption. And um, there's no que- there's no question that it's it's has to do on a certain level with corruption. It has to do on another level with profit, and it has to do on another level with control. Uh, Being able to control the food supply is, you know, an important thing for all countries to be able to control their food supply. But if we go all the way back to what Kissinger, back when Nixon was president, um, a a really good quote of Kissinger's about farming and about um, genetically modified um, seeds, which were in their infancy back then. They were just an idea. And um, what Kissinger had said is, he who controls the food controls the people. And um, that's absolutely true. You can completely control a population of 
people by controlling the availability of their food. And a, a person told me years and years and years and years ago who I thought was a conspiracy theorist um, in Harvard Square outside of Harvard University in Massachusetts. Uh, I was talking to him, and he was old at that time in the 70s, and he told me that that food corporations were going to take over the world and the next weapon was going to be food, not a weapon that kills people, but a weapon that forces people into submission. And he said, if you go back as far as the medieval times, the strongest weapon that they could use was the withholding of food and water. And he explained the uh, military strategy of how a hundred an army of a hundred could conquer an army of a thousand by trapping them inside of their castle and not allowing food or water in or out. And eventually the people would give up because they'd they'd be starving and and dehydrated. So one of the oldest weapons in the world is food and the withholding of food. So I I thought this guy was a little bit out of his mind and, and a conspiracy theorist or something. But most of what he had said when he explained it and laid the whole thing out, um, most of what he said is coming true now, years and years later. And it, this this person was also had two degrees from MIT and a degree from Harvard, so I had to give him a little credence. But I still thought he was still thought he was a conspiracy theorist. But it turns out maybe not. Well. You know what? It's so funny how so many old conspiracy theories um, have become mainstream and a lot of a lot more people have accepted them. You know, when it comes down to GMO food, for me, it's all right. Why mess with God? Why mess with God and thousands and thousands of years of farming? Um, you know, people have been eating and farming since the beginning of time. Oh. And that brings us to our next I think topic, which is sustainable farming, doing it yourself. And independence is is what I try to tell people. Sustainable farming is creating independence from the whole machine that that's controlling food, it's controlling everything. Um, if you sit down and truly deeply look at yourself, your family, and how you live. As a human being, you have three basic needs to survive on this planet. And those those basic needs are food, shelter, and water. And if you sit down and look at your basic needs and what if you can sustain them yourself, um, that you can actually take care of yourself. All three of those needs... 90% of the people in the United States cannot take care of themselves. They have to either have a contract, government help, or um, purchase from a corporation. So the people out there can't produce their own food. They don't have their own water because they're on a public water supply, and they have a money contract for their shelter. So at any given time, a corporation or the government could step in and tell them to get off of their property and they can't use any of their basic needs anymore. So when you think of independence, you want to think about limiting your dependence on other people for your basic needs. And that's what we try to teach um, here at the farm is food independence, how to, how to have an independent food supply, how to have an independent water supply, and how to sustain yourself. If, say, a grocery store's 
went on strike or they closed town for three months and you couldn't buy food or if the dollar collapsed and um, prices went up a thousand percent in a week how would you be able to get food and water and most people wouldn't have any way to do it so what we try to teach people is to be self-reliant and so and independent and um, be less dependent on a grocery store or or money to be able to buy things because Money is only a value as long as it's a value. <laughs> Pretty sure at some point things will be more valuable than money, and food will be one of those things. Absolutely, absolutely. And so how difficult is sustainable farming? Uh, you know, there's all different types, and one that, you know, we're interested in right now is aquaponics because uh, we're in Texas, and, you know, our summers, it's really hard to grow a whole lot of food in this heat down here. Well, we use we use um, hydroponics and, and aquaponic systems here on the farm. Aquaponics are really great natural um, growing method, and you can micromanage um, the entire process to be able to produce more more product from. Um, you, what you would be able to produce, say, like in South Texas or, or Middle Texas. Um, to be able to produce in the ground because you have a much, much um, more control over the way you're growing and the nutrients growing into the food. And you're also creating another form of food with aquaponics. You're cre- you're raising fish mm-hmm. as well as produce. So you're getting the fish that you'll be able to eat as they get bigger, and you're getting the produce that you're producing. You're creating a closed, sustainable system because you can feed the plant matter to the fish, which then feed the plants to grow more produce. So it's a constant closed cycle system that you don't have to add anything from the outside. It's a beautiful system, and and it's a it's a little bit complicated. Um, but once you've got it going, uh, we've checked out many of them here locally, and they are so cool. And you're right, you've got you you can eat the fish. And you can eat the food, and the food that's grown, you can grow it all year round because you're controlling the environment. Absolutely. What about, you know, so many people today are so busy, right? I mean, they can barely keep up with just getting to work and taking care of the kids and, you know, taking care of themselves. Um, How do you address those concerns with your your patrons and your clients that come to you and say, all right, I I get why I need to do this. I need to eat healthier. I want to get off the grid, so to speak, when it comes to my food. I want to get off being dependent on these corporations, but I don't have the time, the energy, the know-how. How do you address that? Well, there's a couple, there's a couple of different ways you can look at it. If you, if, if the person is a person that truly wants to be independent and get away from it all, the first thing they have to do is realize that they need to step away from it all. Um, give up the job, give up, um, you know, everything that takes their time away and look at a process of either homesteading or half-steading. Half-steading is where one person works uh, a job just to create enough money to come in to pay the things that you have to pay, your property tax, your mortgage payment, your electric bill. And it's a complete reset on life. Most people don't want to do that. 
Right. Um, most people want to be able to produce some of their food and uh, put a little bit more energy into it. And if you can, if you can dedicate um, one day on your weekend or one day if you have a day off during the week to growing food, you can do it. There's a lot of different ways to do it. And we have a couple of processes that we teach. And one of them is our, um, we call it townhouse gardening. And it's designed specifically for the 20-somethings that are newly married or newly out on their own and have a little townhouse they're renting or they bought, and all they have is a patio. They don't have a yard that they can grow anything in. And we show them a method of how to grow. As long as there's sunlight, um, you can grow. And we do it with a system that is almost maintenance-free. You don't have to water it because you set up a what's called a slow-drip water system that runs 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and it's extremely low pressure, and it just drips water onto the uh, beds of the plants. And you don't have to worry about remembering to water. And with this process, because it's a closed system, there's no weeding and there's no pest control either. And you're able to grow not a huge percentage of your food, but you're able to learn how to grow and become acquainted with the growing process and how to grow things. So as you move up, if you move on and buy a house and have a bigger yard, you have a basic knowledge and understanding on how to how to grow some of your food. You can then take that and expand it and expand it up to 40 to 60% of your food that you would be able to grow um, with the same method, just using a larger area. And you can find that method if you just go, if you go to our Facebook page or our website, and that's um, Cambridge Farms and Milton, Florida. And if you Google that, you'll come up with both the website and Facebook page. And we'll have and, the links on livingwealthyradio.com oh, okay. along with and the show. Absolutely. Through, with that process, you can grow, like I say, without watering, without weeding, and without um, without spending a bunch of money on um, herbicides and pesticides. And using nature in your favor, using natural ways that are going to help you down the bugs and the weeds, um, rather than using chemicals. And my thought has always been, instead of trying to fight nature and force nature to do what you want to do, you'll never win at that fight. Nature will change direction and um, um, do something different, and then you'll have to start over again. So if you make an ally out of nature and use nature to your benefit and, and use the the things that are already going on in nature um, to benefit your crop production, then then you're a step ahead of the game. You don't have to worry about forcing nature into submission with chemicals and, and whatnot. And it's very cool. You see from time to time on, on Facebook and the Internet um, urban farming and mm-hmm. people taking, like, you know, a, a small area of land and producing a ton of food. It is absolutely. the coolest thing. Yeah, absolutely. Square foot gardening has That's been it. around. Uh, square foot gardening has been around for a long, long time, and um, I mean, it goes it goes back at least fifty years that people have been doing that with small backyard victory gardens and that type of thing. And right now, I had, I've been talking for about six months with people from Detroit, 
and looking at creating um, urban scapes um, in blighted neighborhoods where the city is taking over blocks and blocks of neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And they're using some federal money to tear down the buildings, and all that's left is open space. And I'm working with some people from Detroit to be putting gardens, free gardens and community gardens in um, with the high unemployment and um, the high hunger and poverty rate in Detroit. There's people that have time on their hands but have no food. Mm -hmm. So by converting their time to food would be beneficial for them. It would help the environment. And it would um, help rebuild neighborhoods by creating these community gardens. Do you think the big corporations will win the fight against the the urban farmers? Because you you also read from time to time on Facebook and the internet how you know the feds came in and you know made a homeowner. Um, destroy their garden or how the feds raided, you know, um, the Amish farmers regarding raw milk. Yeah, yeah. And it's not from time to time. It happens more than you think. It's a, that's, that's growing more and more um, prevalent. Uh, they're doing it more and more. And with the complete implementation of the Food Safety Modernization Act, you'll see it more than that. And part of the Food Safety Modernization Act is they're going to severely restrict farmer-to-consumer sales, which means farmer's markets or people going to a farm and buying fresh um, fruit and produce. It's going to be severely restricted. I mean, it, there's so much regulation that they've piled onto it that no small, small farm is going to be able to comply because of just sheer cost of it. Well, when do you um, see that happening? Oh, it's already been passed. It was passed in 2011. The deadline for comment to the FDA, this is the deal on it. The FDA is running the program in conjunction with the USDA, but the FDA is overseeing it. They've appointed a new head to the food safety um, division of the FDA, and that person that they appointed as the head of the um, food safety and and implementing this new law is also the past um, vice president of public affairs for Monsanto. Of course. Of course. Um, It's a revolving door between the two. Yeah. His name is Michael Taylor, and he worked for the FDA, left the FDA. Well, he worked for Monsanto, then went to work for the FDA as the assistant um, secretary. He then left the FDA, went back to Monsanto, became the director of public affairs, uh, then became the head of public affairs, and now he's back at the FDA as the head of public safety. So when you look at anything coming through, for the biotech industry, Monsanto being the biggest player in the United States of the biotech industry, he has a direct income from Monsanto, but he's also the head administrator for that program for the FDA because of his retirement package and his buyout from from Monsanto. We he's still has an income from them. We have got to wake up. We have, we can, it's just crazy. And the same thing happens with the pharmaceuticals and the drugs and it's our food. And you know what? Some people need drugs. I get that. But we really need food, right? Well, well, I'll tell you. And here's the tie to that. Uh, Monsanto owns controlling interest in quite a few pharmaceutical companies. Sure. But 
um, the new new on the horizon, which they've already tested and perfected to a certain extent, but not on the market yet, is by using the same technology they use for genetically modifying seeds to grow and produce their own pesticide within the seed, which is what a genetically modified crop does. Um, a GMO seed doesn't use an insecticide to be it doesn't need to be sprayed on because it actually produces or grows the pesticide within the plant itself and the plant itself is then registered with the EPA as an insecticide such as corn corn genetically modified corn is registered with the EPA as an insecticide um, there's there's insecticide in every kernel of corn. There's insecticide in every molecule of the leaf stalk and root system. And who it wants grows to eat inside that? the plant? Pardon me. And and who wants to eat that? You know, they tell you when you put um, the insecticides on your grass, or you, you you put you know the the stuff on your grass or the pesticides. I don't know what you call it. I guess it's insecticides. Not to walk on the grass, but we're what? eating the stuff that we're not supposed to walk barefoot on. Well, absolutely, and there's a right now. There's there's no measurement of how much insecticide is in the food that you eat because nobody measures the amount that the plant produces. So there is no statistic for that because it's never been measured. They don't know how much is in it, and um, they do know the side effects. And we have seen the side effects. The side effects are obesity, di- uh, diabetes, heart disease. Um, if you look at all of those on a chart and start the chart at 1996 when GMOs were introduced to the food supply, and the, it almost goes straight uphill. If you look at diabetes and obesity, um, the increase is far greater. Um, there's a lot of people looking at autism as well um, mm-hmm. with the introduction of genetically modified foods. Tom, it, it's you know we're out of time. It's so unfortunate. What you're saying is so true. There's so much information out there regarding health and food, but we are so unhealthy. It's the same thing with what I do. I work with money. There's a ton of information out there, right, on money. But Americans have no peace when it comes to money. We have got to wake up, stand up, and pay attention. You know, you've heard some really important information today. You are rapidly losing control of your own ability to feed yourselves properly, and make your own food choices. The food in our grocery stores is often tainted, unhealthy, not all, but so much of it is, and our agriculture is completely out of balance. Um, We have options, and Tom, thank you so much today for sharing um, some great information. I've been studying this stuff forever, and you gave me some insight I didn't have before. Please let our listeners know how they can connect with you on your Facebook page and your website. Uh, they can reach us at uh, on Facebook at Cambridge Farms, Milton, Florida, or they can reach us at um, cambridgefarms.webs.com. And we'll also post these links on Living Wealthy Radio along with uh, the show. And again, Tom, you know, God bless you for, for the work that you're doing and uh, really appreciate your insight. And... Um, Thanks so much for being on Living Wealthy Radio today. You're welcome. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to help maybe wake some people up so they can know what's going on with their food. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. You take care. You too. Thank you. Thank you. 
presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The info being presented does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation and does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax advisor or legal counsel or other professional, and you should not use the information in place of a personal consultation regarding your specific situation or needs prior to taking any action based on this information. We believe the info provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.